We're doing a series called Better Together. Last week, we talked about the power of partnership with people and, and most importantly, making others a priority. Uh, even before yourself, Jesus talked about this, right? To, to consider others better than yourself and more important than yourself. Putting yourself last is what we see Jesus did when he went to the cross. And we're talking about working together. We said that one could put 1,000 in flight and two could put 10,000. It's this idea that uh, it, it, two of us can do twice as much in half the time. And uh, in anything in your life, we believe that God is bringing people into your life uh, to make things better. We discussed uh, the scripture in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, where the Lord said that it is not good for man to be alone, but I will make a helper suitable for him. And so, you know, I don't know if you know this, but... Um, you can't grow your faith by yourself. It just won't happen. Like we're, I say this all the time, and, and I, I believe that this is not just something that we say as a church, but hopefully we believe sincerely that you're going to learn far more in a circle than you'll ever learn in a row. And what I mean by that is that when you have an opportunity to dialogue your faith and talk about what God is doing in your life, you're going to learn far more from moments where you can ask questions and be encouraged or encourage someone else than you'll ever learn just from hearing a sermon. Uh, but with all that being said, welcome to a sermon today. Uh, so anyways, we're doing it uh, better together. And um, Jesus really defined for us what it means to, to put others first. This week, we're talking about pursuit. And uh, we're going to talk about what it means to really go after what matters most to you. I, don't, I can't speak for you, but the most important thing in my life is my faith. And uh, my faith is the most important thing in my life because it, far more than my wife, far more than my children, far more than my finances, far more than, than anything that I own, uh, because my faith is the only thing that I have that is eternal. And it, my faith is what will give me eternity. And so what's important is protecting, living my life in a way that I protect my faith with everything. You know, many of us, uh, last week, uh, some of you guys were joking, I want you to know, I found my phone. Uh, I have a phone with my wallet uh, in my phone or on my phone, and I lost my phone. And uh, it became time for church and connect groups, and I was like, well, I looked, I kid you not, for about three minutes for my phone, and I said, I'm going to church, man, to meet up with people, and, uh, and so we did, and, uh, and I, was, I freaked out a little bit, but I just trust the Lord, and uh, when we got here, uh, we prayed, and uh, we went through all of church on Wednesday night, and then um, afterwards, uh, we went back to where I was at a baseball field, uh, and there was my phone right where I left it, surrounded by people. Uh, and it had been there for multiple hours where people were coming and going and my phone was sitting right there. And, uh, I called it about 10 times that night and, uh, on the walking to the phone, the guy answered and goes, yeah, Hey, this phone's been ringing all night long. Like, uh, I don't know. And, uh, <laughs> cool. Can I have it? <laughs> my picture's in there. So anyways, what I mean by that is that, um, you know, with our finances, that's something that we protect with all of our lives. Like it's our, like we give it to a bank and we trust that it's secure and protect it. But I think we should do so much of a better job protecting our faith. And the only way that I believe that we'll do this is, is together. Uh, I've seen so many people that love Christ or set out to love Christ that when they get out of fellowship, they fall away from the Lord. And it's so important that we understand the importance of being together. I will make a helper suitable for you. 
It's not good that you'd be alone. Check this out. This is uh, going to be found in Exodus chapter 6, verse 6 through 8. And uh, this is the Lord talking to Israel before uh, they would go through uh, the Exodus and before they would go through the Red Sea. And this is what would be prophesied over God's people for thousands of years then, they would, they would partake a dinner that we call Passover. Have you ever heard of the dinner Passover? Well, as they do this, there's four promises that God makes in the scripture that they still say today. Here they are. Watch this. It says, Therefore say to the, Isra- to the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. And let me just stop there. Um, These four things is what I believe that God is still wanting to do in the lives of his people. So he is wanting to do this in your life, these four promises. One, he, he wants to get you out of your broken situation. Two, he wants to fix what's going on inside of you. Three, he wants to make you a brand new person. And four, he wants to make you a people. Well, why this is important to God is because he cares that we understand that we are the redeemed and we are his people. God loves his church. I don't know how much you know about his background, but his people are precious to him. We are his children. The scripture would call us his bride. He loves his church. He loves his bride. He loves his people. And the fourth promise that God made over Israel is that he would make you, singular, a people. And that's what we are together is that we are a people. And so as God had redeemed my life and he made great changes in my life and I had begun to think about, God, what do you want to do in my life? Uh, years ago, I realized that this, I came up with this mission and this is now currently the mission of our church is that it is our mission to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus that they might become fully devoted followers of Christ. Years ago, I set out that I wanted to become a disciple of Jesus. I want to reach people with the gospel. I want to become more like Jesus. I want to reach people with the gospel. I want to become more like Jesus. I want to reach people with the gospel. I don't know what it is in your heart that you want to do in your life, but in me and my life, I want to become more like Jesus, and I want to reach people with the gospel because I can do a lot of great things. I can help an old lady you know, walk across the street, or I can write a check to someone and help them, and, I, and we do all of those things, but Helping someone in their relationship with Christ find the Lord and become to know the Lord is the most significant thing that I believe that we can ever do. Anything that we do for for the Lord is probably the greatest thing that we will ever do because it has eternal significance. And so I set out in my life that I wanted to become a disciple of Jesus and I wanted to make others disciples and that they would come to know the life-changing message of Jesus. And so As we get into this, what I want you to know is that I've realized in my life that I can't do this at all on my own. In fact, uh, Mark Rutland used to always say, and this is every graduation I've ever gone, that the former president of Southeastern, he would say this all the time, that if you ever see a turtle on a fence post, you can be sure of one thing. He didn't get there by himself. Uh, And so I I am a turtle on a fence post. I am probably the most awkward person that I know all the time. And uh, I should not ever be a communicator, but the things that God has done in my life, I wish that you could have seen where he brought me from and what he's done in my life. I have only gotten to where I am because God has surrounded me with people that have made all the difference in my life. And I believe that if you're gonna get to where God wants to get you, you're gonna need people along with you. 
Let me rephrase that. One of the things I know that God wants to do is he wants to get you out of your situation that you're in now. Two, he wants to heal you from what's going on inside of you. Three, he wants to change and make you a whole new you and put new things inside of you. Four, he wants to make you a people. But none of these things will happen on your own. Uh, I believe, and I can, I can say this from, from personal story, you're going to have to change your culture. You're going to have to change your people. You're going to have to change some of the things in your life if you want to get to where God's taking you. But So I'm talking today to a people that I believe that the greatest thing in your life or that you're recognizing today the value of your faith and you want to make it the most important thing in your life, these are some things that I think that you need to do. And uh, I'm going to take you today to a story that is uh, about Elijah. Have you ever heard of Elijah? Would you raise your hand? So Elijah had just... Um, there was just this crazy thing that happened with, uh, with Jezebel and uh, he just got fed by these ravens and he's standing on the backside of a mountain and he's praying and God's got him in this weird place and God speaks to him and he says he sees the wind and uh, there was a great earthquake and God's, he wasn't in the earthquake and he sees this wind tear into the mountain and he wasn't, God wasn't in the wind and he, there was this great fire and it destroyed the mountain and he wasn't in the fire and here's Elijah standing on this mountain and God speaks to him. And what God speaks to him is kind of funny. He tells him, hey, look, I want you to do this. And I'm going to take you there in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 15 and 16. The Lord said to him, go and return your way to the wilderness. Oh, can we pray real quick? I'm sorry, just real quick. Jesus, would you help today? I need you. Amen. Uh, so he said to him, go and return your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive there, go and anoint Hazel, the king over Syria. And, uh, and also you shall anoint Jahu, the son of Nisha, uh, the king of Israel, and Elijah, the son of Sepha, uh, and this other guy. And you shall anoint him as a prophet in your place. Let me just make sure you understand this. Here is what is currently the man of God of Israel. Currently, what we understand to be the last man of God left that would, be, that would carry leadership. So if you would, let's kind of take the illustration that um, you're a politician and every other politician in the whole country has been destroyed this weekend and you're the last one left. And this is what God does. Instead of God saying, coming to you and go, hey, you're great. We're going to do great things with you. God comes to him and he says, hey, your time is done. Uh, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go anoint these other two people, and, uh, and I, want you to, I want you to go and find this other kid, and I want you to anoint him in your place. We're talking about being better together. Anything that God wants to do in your life, he's going to bring other people into your life to help you make it better. The first thing that I want you to know that I believe that everyone here today has to do is you have to learn how to pass the torch. Who in your life are you passing the torch to? This is one thing that we have to be careful of. If we value our faith, that we have to be careful that we make sure that there's a generation that will come behind us. I think great leaders are leaders that, that raise up other leaders, that you make other people better at loving God in their life. Who in your life are you making better? 
And this is an important thing, and we'll watch what happens with Elijah. He kind of gets bitter with this whole thing, and let me show you. I'm going to take you just a little bit further into verse 19. And so Elijah went from there, and he found Elisha of Sepha, and uh, and he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. Now, this is the guy who is going to replace the current man of God. I'm starting to get excited here. And... uh, here is this guy, this kid. I don't know if he's young or old, but all we know is that he's working today in a field. It's probably hot and miserable, and it's crappy. You know what I'm talking about? And uh, he's got some oxen with him. And so he's plowing behind these oxen, and he's probably not enjoying his day. And the current man of God in the nation of Israel is walking towards him. How I many you know he just got excited? And he's probably wishing that he could be doing anything other than what he is currently doing with these oxen. And, um, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and he threw his cloak around him. Now, another translation would say his mantle. This is the symbol of his anointing. Elijah walked up to Elisha and basically did this. Let me show you. Watch This is pretty cool. So he ran up to him and he threw his cloak around him and Elijah then left his oxen and ran after Elijah and he said, let me kiss my father and mother goodbye. He said, and then I'll come after you. And Elijah said, go back. What have I done to you, kid? This is, I don't know if you can get this, but Elijah is a bitter old man. Uh, he is not really happy at this point. This is my perspective. You can have a different perspective, but this is what I see when I read this scripture in the NKJV. You can read it in the NIV or in the NLT or whatever you want. I see a bitter old man. This is what I see. This guy who is anointed, God called him. He knows the Lord. He knows what God wants to do in his life. He, he is obedient. Okay, fine. You want me to go anoint this king? Well, we don't, we don't see him going to anoint these kings. We see him going to anoint Elisha. She's like, all right, God, fine. So he walks over and he goes, hey, kid. And he walks away. (laughs) That's jacked up. He literally drops the mic on this kid. And the kid comes running after him, realizing, wait, what? You're Elijah. What what am I going to do with this? I, I, I can't. I'm not ready. Elijah runs after Elijah and says, hey, look, please, let me just go back and tell my mom and dad that I'm leaving the ox here in the middle of the field. And then I'll come with you. And Elijah's like, what, what did I do to you, kid? What I do to you? I don't want you to come with me. Like, please, if you would just leave me alone, that'd be great. Well, that's not what Elijah does. But before we go on any further, I want you to know it's important that we pass the torch. I think that's so important, Phil, that one of the things that you understand in this generation is that we look and scout out people that we could pass our faith to. Those of you that know more than us, if you know more scripture and you have more life experience and you've been through a lot, it's important that you pass the torch and that you're willing to mentor. Because we, the next generation, will be better when we're partnered with people like Cheryl who have gone before us, Tracy and Scott, and you educate us and teach us about who the Lord is, about how to raise a family, about how to be a husband and wife, about how to have a career that you don't quit three months into, which is what our generation is prone to do. We need people to get into our life and teach us. And Elijah's holding the torch right now and he realizes, crap, I don't know how to do this. And the problem is, is that I can see why Elijah's rubbed wrong a little bit, why he wouldn't want a mentor. Like, this is my job. This is what I do. And, and what I've talked to other people in the faith is they get annoyed with the way our generation carries the gospel today because we don't carry it with reverence. We don't carry it with honor. 
Sometimes we can be ignorant and all about ourselves and it's, it's harsh. But I need you to pass the torch. That's point one. I have six points and I've got to do it in 15 minutes. Here we go. So the next thing that happens is after Elijah says, go back, what have I done to you? My second point is that you've got to let go. Check this out. So Elijah left him and he went back and he took the yoke of oxen. Listen, this is what he does. Elijah's standing in the field of this mantle. He's like, okay, I gotta be, I'm gonna go kiss my mom. I'm gonna run after Elijah after I'm done. And he's like, wait, crap, no. I can't just go kiss my mom. I can't have anything to come back to. I gotta make sure that I change everything in my life. If I'm gonna value my faith above everything else, if I'm really gonna go after this guy who just offended me, who just looked at me and said, I don't want you to come with me. Listen, I don't know about you, but I've been in relationships where people that I need don't need me the same way. It could be your job, your boss. It could be your spouse. I, I mean, this is what happens. And if you're in any kind of relationship today, I want you to know that there's probably gonna be opportunities for you to be offended. But if you're after what you know you need and you need this person, you're gonna have to learn to be unoffendable. It's just reality. Like, and let me show you, Elijah is not going to offend him once. He's going to offend him again and again and again and again. And I'm going to show you. This guy, Elijah is a jerk to Elijah, but Elisha needs him. And so Elisha says, I'm going to go kiss my mom and dad goodbye, but I'm going to make sure I have nothing to come back to. Check this out. So Elisha left him and he went back and he took the yoke of oxen and he slaughtered them. He burnt the plowing equipment and to, to cook the meat and he gave it to the people and they ate. This is unbelievable. He takes 12 oxen, shoots them all in the head, stabs them, cuts their throat, burn them, do whatever you got to do, but make sure you got nothing left to come home to. If you want to have faith in God, we got to make sure that we're not distracted by a whole lot of other stuff because we are. I mean, there's stuff in our life that distracts us. And currently, a lot of us want to love God, but I've got this job and but I've got this television show that I want to watch and but I've got this other thing going on in my life. And Elisha, why he became the leading man of God in the nation was he wanted to make sure... I'm all in. I am all in on Jesus. And so I would ask you, what is holding you back in your life? Elisha made sure he was unoffendable. The third thing that Elisha did is he listened. You know what's pretty significant to me? We don't hear Elisha's name with Elijah again for five more chapters in the Bible. We hear about Elijah, 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 but we know Elisha caught up with Elijah. Elisha with Elijah. But we don't hear Elisha's name one time, and I think that that's significant. Why? Because he knew he doesn't need to talk, he needs to listen. He doesn't need to talk, he needs to listen. He doesn't need to talk, he needs to listen. And so I would ask you, who are you listening to about your faith? Who are you listening to and learning from about your career? Who are you listening to and learning from about your marriage? Who is it that you're gleaming from in your life right now that is giving you the insight to be the person that you are currently not yet? Who? Because we are better together. Now, I'm so grateful for people like Stephen Furtick who are a much better preacher than I am. I get that. But Stephen Furtick doesn't talk back to you. Stephen Verdict doesn't answer your questions. 
And that's why we can't be a generation. Like this is the first generation ever where we can disconnect and still feel like we're connected. It's an unhealthy thing. Listen, we are better together. We do better in conversation, talking and dialoguing with each other. Even if, they, even if Rachel offends me, I need her in my life to tell me about the blind spots that I don't see. And so Elisha is following Elijah for years. And we don't hear his name mentioned one time. That's crazy to me. You know what? The apostle Paul did it. Many people in scripture, they would take years of, of, of studying and learning and listening before they ever opened their mouth. I'm going to take you uh, then moving forward to the next verse. My, my next point uh, is, so it came to pass that the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind. And Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgah. Now, this is a pretty cool story. If you're not familiar with the scripture, uh, there is only three people in scripture that we're aware of that, uh, or two people, I'm sorry, two people that did not die. And Elijah is, well, I guess Jesus would be another one, right? Uh, three people, Enoch, Elijah, and, and, uh, and Jesus that didn't die. He was taken up into heaven. And so we're about to see a story that's an absolute miracle. And check this out. Remember, we... Um, Elisha was unoffendable, even by people in his life. God is putting people into your life. It's not good for man to be alone. He will give you a helper. People in your life that will help you are designed to be different. Listen, the way the body of Christ works, it's so much better that we find people that are not like us, that aren't our color, they're not our weight, they're not our age. They're not, we, like, it's important that we think differently and we get other people involved. We're the body of Christ. And when we do things differently, uh, the, we can do more. All right, anyways, here, watch this. So it came to pass when the Lord was about to take Elijah up into heaven that Elijah went with Elisha to Gilgah. And Elisha said to him, stay here, please. Don't want you to come with me, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. And Elisha said, as the Lord lives, uh, and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. But I, he went down to Bethel. Again, he was rejected. Verse four, then Elijah said to him, Elijah, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me on to Jericho now. But he said to him, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. Then Elijah said to him, please stay here for the Lord has sent me on to the Jordan. But he said to him, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. I, and I think this is important, guys, because I want you to know that people in your life will hurt your feelings. Pastors will hurt your feelings. Your boss will hurt your feelings. Your spouse will hurt your feelings. Your girlfriend will hurt your feelings. But you need them. We are better together in everything else in our life. Like, we don't quit on relationships. We value that above everything else in our life. We're better together. We're better together. We're better together. And the people in your life will help you protect your faith. So who are you listening to? Who are you passing the torch on to? And who are you watching? This is my next point. So Elijah rejects him multiple times. And so the two of them went on. 50 men, the sons of the prophets, went and they stood uh, facing them at a distance. Now, this is pretty neat. I don't know if some of you know this, but uh, up to about three years ago, I had only ever heard of one time in scripture where the waters parted and someone walked on dry land, and that was Moses. I didn't realize that Elijah did it in, in, first, in Second Kings. You're about to see it. So, uh, the, so verse eight, so Elijah took his mantle and he rolled it up and he struck the water and it was divided this way and that so that the two of them crossed over on the dry, dry land. And so it was that when they crossed over, Elijah said to Elijah, ask what I may do for you before I am taken away. And Elijah said, please give me a double portion of your spirit to be upon me. 
why this is significant is um, there are so many things that we've yet to see. The scripture says that no eye has seen and no ear has done the things, you know. Like there are so many things that we don't know. Who is it in your life that you're watching? You're learning character from. You're learning integrity from. You're learning giving from and generosity from. You're learning how to watch people pray. You know, it was some of the greatest things in my life is listening to other people cry out to God. Three, four hours at a time just worshiping. We're crying out to their nursery <laughs> worker right now. Yeah. That was significant. Uh, and so uh, I, I just realized that, like, it's important that we're together having community and watching what God is doing in each other's lives. It's neat to see people go through hell and go through circumstances of life that are just difficult and hard because it's awesome to watch them come through. I'll explain that in a minute. The last thing is, uh, I would say, after Elisha, realizing that he didn't know what to do with the mantle that Elijah had, but he listened to him and he watched him and he learned from him and he asked for a double portion. Now it's important that you do. And this is a trip that we have in our life. And so it's important. If, if faith is the most important thing that we have, it's not faith until it's activated. Faith without works is dead, the scripture says. And some of us are dead because we're not doing anything with our faith and what we believe. And so that's why we have to start this thing over again. We have to start doing. And the very first thing that we see in scripture, Elisha do, now that Elijah went up to heaven in chariots of fire, is he took the mantle that Elijah just had, and he did the same thing. He rolled up the mantle, he slapped the water, and walked on dry land. I think it's important that we're doing what we've been taught and what we've seen, that we're mirroring integrity in our relationships, that we're mirroring character and humility in our relationships because we're seeing it in other people. We have other people to look up to because we're married together. Like if I don't, I wasn't raised in a family of like a good marriage. I learned marriage at church watching other people show me how marriage works, listening to a guy fight with his wife, and then I'm watching, okay, oh, and then he had humility, and he apologized, even though, obviously, she was crazy, and then, you know, I'm just kidding. Or, or I'm watching the way that, that she, uh, when, when he wasn't spiritual, she would pray, and she would worship, and she would go after the Lord, and she carried the spiritual energy of the relationship. Or, or I'm watching the way they gave, and they tithed, and they believed when they didn't have finances, and I've, I've learned these things here. But now we have to do them. But we only learn these things because we commit to being together. Because life is going to get hard out there. And if you're alone, you're going to quit. And that's what the enemy does. He wants to divide and conquer. Get us alone. Get us thinking. Get us introverted. Like you're the only one struggling with, with lust. Or you're the only one struggling with, with not having enough money. Or you're the only one that your boss is being mean to. Or no one sees all the things that you do. We're all going through it. You're not the only one. And there's people that have gone through, the Bible says that no temptation has taken us, but such is common to every man. And God is faithful. And so it's so good when you can hold hands with someone who's been through it. We're better together, together, together. And you'll learn far more in a row than you'll ever learn in a circle. Those are all my points today. And I have a kind of like a prophetic word that I felt like I had to say in regards to pursuit. And so I've talked about the story of Elijah and the story of Elisha because I believe that Elisha resented plowing cattle 
and he wanted what God had for his life and he wanted more and he was willing to go after it. But going after it meant he had to push through some humility. He had to push through some rejection. He had to, he had to make some sacrifices in his life. He had to be a student of others. Like there was a lot of learning that this kid had to do in his life in order to get to where he was gonna go. Well, as I look back at the story of Israel, um, I think about everything that Israel went through. And so this is not part of the message, but this is a prophetic word that I have. And then I, I have two prophetic words that we're going to close this with. I'm going to do this in five minutes. God spoke to Israel and he said this. He said that I'm going to make you a people. And the very next promise that God makes to Israel is that he is going to give them their land. He is going to give them their land. Would you say that? He is going to give them their land. And he's going to give you your land. Now, the problem with this is one of the things that I have seen over and over and over and over again is, is the problem with pursuit. The problem with inside the heart of man and woman is that we go after what we want. And often, we get it. And this is a problem, actually, I believe, in the body of Christ. And I think it's a reason why, one of the reasons why God doesn't give you what we want. Let me show you. Uh, for a guy to go hunting, uh, this is what he's going to do. He's going he's gonna to get all excited. He's going to put on uh, a, a shirt, a camo shirt, right, In case, because he's got to have a camo shirt underneath in case he gets hot, and he takes off his, his jacket, right? But, uh, so he's got camo pants, camo socks. He's got to have boots, uh, and then he's going to have like these, uh, sometimes he's going to have these leafy things, right? So he blends in. He's got some layers with him, right? And uh, there's a lot of things. Right? But, when you, but when it's cold, you're, you're going to have to... Um, You'd be bundled up, right? Like, this is important. And, uh, and so what I'm realizing, these are all the things that we do when we're in pursuit. Um, we uh, got to have your coffee with you when you're out in the woods, right? Because it's warm and you want to be sleepy at 4 o'clock in the morning. And uh, as I'm thinking about some of the other things that we, you got to have a chair to sit on. And uh, anyone knows anything about hunting, you got to have some blinds, right? So there's something between you and the deer. Even though we're all covered in camo, we're after something. And because we're after something, we're going to make sure that we've got everything that we need, right? And so then I, I hid uh, my gun here this morning for you guys. And so we're going to have our gun when we go in the woods. And we're going to have all of these things that we need here. And then, well, we're not done yet because uh, we don't have any of the supplies that we need to go hunting. We're going to need a knife in case we actually catch a deer, right? Uh, and uh, we're going to need, uh, we're gonna need uh, some, some calls, right? Because we, uh, we want to call the deer in. Uh, let me see if I can find those. Here's, here's my calls. There's a, there's a mask that you put over your face so they can't see your eyeballs or your nose. There's so many things in life that we need because we're after something. I'm going to get the buck. I want to get the deer meat. I'm going to bring some food home. I'm going to be a man killer. I'm going to eat some meat today. You don't put food on my tail and provide. And there's all these things that we do in, a, in the chase when we're pursuing what we're after. Okay? And here's one of the problems with this that I believe. I know that you think this is silly. I think about some of the people that um, I've met and I've been a victim of in my own life in multiple occasions. For example, we'll read 85 books for college so we can get a degree, so we can get a job that we hate. Why do we do all of this work to get this so we can have this and, and hate it? Why is it in our life that, that we'll, well, as men, oh yeah, and uh, one of my favorite things that men put on whenever they go hunting is deer urine. <laughs> Cover themselves in deer urine so they don't smell like them, you know? Women would say you smell good enough, trust me. <laughs> it's the same thing, you ain't gotta put nothing on. Uh, anyways, um, but we're pursuing a woman in our life 
We'll bring flowers. We'll write letters. We'll send music. We'll, 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 we'll pay for dinner. We'll court you. We'll show up. We'll do all these things. But then once we have you, well, now we don't do any work. All we want is the house. When we have the house, it's good. All we want is the car, the job. All we want, all we want is things that we don't have. And what I love about Elijah, Elisha, is that he wanted to be used by God and he spent his life to get to that point. Many of you, all you ever wanted was to be in Christ and you're here and now you're bored. And I don't think that we have arrived. Like the problem is, is that some of us believe that we're, we're there now, we've made it because we're a Christian. And I don't know if you get it. When we make it there is when we're done but we're in pursuit of everything from now till then. And we can't quit on our marriage. We can't quit on our job and we don't quit on our faith. But many of us will, will do all these things to get this one prize. But the only things that we really want or the only things that we're after is the things that we don't have. And um, so then I wonder like, are we even really? Mm. Yeah. I have one more thing we're gonna do today. And normally I would at this time ask everyone to bow your heads and close your eyes. But actually um, there's been some friends of mine that have been going through um, some really hard times. And um, church has even been hard and sometimes we've let them down and it's been um, pretty emotional for them. And so I'm gonna ask them to come and share a story with me real quick about um, how hard ministry can be. Great, oh yeah, you got my my mantle. Jess and Chris, would you come? And so um, pretty powerful story here that um, has changed my life and I think I've been waiting um, I'm just yeah so I'll uh, I'll stand what's up guys all right so I want to sit um, so we're gonna try to make this short and sweet um, but some of you know that we've been going through a lot of um, infertility. Um, we've been trying to uh, get pregnant for, I would say, around nine years now. And um, and I to tie this into what Tim was talking about, um, it 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 can be very difficult to come to church and be surrounded by people that are pregnant or having kids or not even at church, but um, the gender reveals, the baby showers, the Facebook, like everywhere you go and every second of the day, you're reminded that you want something. And... um, the only thing I can relate it to is if someone very, very close to you died and someone walks up to you and says, hey, remember when that person died? And you're reminded every single time of the heartache and the pain and the, and the I would even go so far as suffering. Um, so... I will, uh, if it wasn't for the relationships we have in this church, 
And if it wasn't for the relationship we have with God, we would have probably given up. Um, and many times we felt like giving up. Um, and we've gone through everything. I mean, we've gone through two failed IVFs. We've gone through surgeries for her, surgeries for me. Uh, this woman has probably injected something like a shot into her body at least a thousand plus times. If you've seen all the needles we have in our house, we've kept them all. And the, 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 the craziness that we've gone through just for that promise. Um, and I'm trying to get to the, what I'm trying to say, but, um, if, yeah, if it wasn't for the relationships we have in this church, it would have been very, 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 very difficult. Um, and uh, recently, we um, found another way to try to get pregnant because what we had a problem with is we couldn't create embryos. So if you don't, if you know what, if you don't know what an embryo is, it's basically the guy and the girl come together and it makes an embryo. Okay, so we had very, very difficult time. It's education without being too, uh, too, too much. Yeah. You'd be, you'd be surprised. A lot of people don't Yeah. You'd be surprised. People could be like, Oh, you have eggs. No, no. We have egg and this come together and it's an embryo. So, um, so yeah. So basically we, we, we came up we, we, we research and research and research, and we, we came to this conclusion that you, you can adopt or get donated embryos. So I'm going to pass the mic to her because she knows more about this than I do. One thing that I want to say first is that I do believe that feeling alone when you are both surrounded by the Lord and you are surrounded by people that love you in a community that to me is a tactic of the enemy to yeah. pull you away. And I can't tell you how many times that that happened to me and people in here, they let me have my space, but for a very short amount of time. And then they called me and they're like, okay, it's time, it's time. And they never stopped. And for that, I am extremely thankful. And again, like he said, it, it does continue to give you the strength to move on and to move on and to move on and to keep going. And that's why I feel like it's so important that we hear from the Lord. And, um, but to go back to essentially, long story short, what we did is we found a family that had remaining embryos from their IVF cycles, and they were praying for a family to donate them to. And um, we happened to connect, and we were actually going a different route. And I very specifically prayed one day, Lord, if you have other plans, if you have other specific plans, then please make them clear because this is what's happening on Monday. And that night at five o'clock, this woman wrote me and said, we'd like to talk to you about donating or, you know, you adopting our embryos. And so through that, we are pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> and we do not give any glory to anyone else except for the Lord. We have yes. been on our knees, and that is nothing short of a miracle. Yes. Um, praise God. Yes. Um, something real quick I do want to say is um, when we first got the embryos, we tried, and we did a transfer, and it failed. 
and that that failure of like you said god that this was it you felt like this was it and then it failed again um we fell really really hard um we didn't really walk away from God, but we got very, very, very distant from him. And we got to the point where we didn't even want to walk in this building. We didn't want to face people. We didn't want to talk about it. And everybody would bring it up. And it's not anyone's fault. It's everyone cares about us. Everyone wants that relationship with us. Everyone wants to pray for us. Um, but... I would say we, we almost, almost gave up. And if it wasn't for coming here and building the relationships that we did, I don't think we would be here today. I think we would have given up. And I was to the point where I, I, I thought I, I was, had given up. And I was standing in the back of the church one day, just broken. And Heather... Heather Olson comes up to me, and I, I don't remember anything she said except for God's fighting for you, and he wants you to fight for him. And it just clicked, and I said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue to fight, and I'm going to continue to fight. And God spoke to me very clearly, and he said, you've been seeking after me for a child, but I'm asking you to seek after me because it's me. And he reminded me of the scripture, seek me first and everything else will be added on to you. And I want to encourage anyone in here that is going through something, do not give up the pursuit. Just like he said, do not give up the pursuit because it's there. And if, if I could say anything good came out of this is, our relationship became so strong and our marriage became so strong. And that might be the reason why we went through nine years of hell. So that me and her could become so strong that we could literally go through anything together and strengthen our marriage and be able to help people that go through stuff on a daily basis. So keep pursuing because it's right around the corner. It may be two years, five years, seven years, or nine years, but it's right around the corner. And I just want to thank every single person. And I want to thank her. This woman has been through hell. I could not have done what this woman has done with the surgeries and the needles and the medication and the shots and the just absolute hell this woman has gone through. I couldn't have done it. And she's the closest thing to Jesus on earth that I've ever met. And she has so much grace and so much love and, and I just... I, I, I thank you, you, <laughs> yeah, so.
sorry, it's hard. <laughs> I've, I've prayed a lot for this, and some of y'all are new, and I'm sorry for your, you're, you're getting to look in on some inside family stuff, but it's been a journey to be here, and there's been a lot of tears and a lot of, um, I'm just proud of you guys. You're stronger than I am. And this is how we learn Christ. Because some people got fight and some don't. And I'm learning fight. <laughs> and so many of us are going to leave here today because we now together, we got an inside look on what God does for years when you're not getting the only thing that you need. You don't know how many people got pregnant and had babies up in this church. I'll tell you right now, some of you are new here. We have had some kids. I mean, holy crap. One year there was like 12, 10 kids pregnant in this church. And then we really got like 100 people. Yeah, yeah. I think I stole that mic. All right. Anyways, listen, we're better together. We're better because uh, we, we see and learn Christ through each other. And uh, I want to remind you guys that. Um, I don't know who in your life is making you more like Christ, but you got to have them. Because if you don't, you're going to do it alone. And God's called us to be a people. Yeah. And uh, so we'll see you Tuesday morning or Wednesday night or Thursday morning or Friday night. But I love you guys. God bless you.